Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today our reading comes from 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, and we will read from the 17th verse. The Bible says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. I want you to remember that as we're reading. For Christ sent him not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Jesus Christ should be made of none effect. All right? Verses 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Somebody shout amen. You know, even if I don't preach from there, that's just so beautiful. Praise God. He says, for I was not sent to baptize, but to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, and not with the wisdom of words, not just speaking, not how articulate I am, Paul says. Not as eloquent I could be. No. Not because I know how to connect words right and full stops where they're supposed to be. No. He says, because sometimes when I go so much in words, human wisdom, I would lose the power and the essence of the cross. So he says that the cross of Christ should not be made of none effect. For... He emphasizes the preaching of the cross, he says, is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. And to us which are saved, it is the power of God. Now, why does the Bible call it foolish to them which are perishing? There is another way to look at the cross and the story of Jesus Christ, all right? He's not born from a noble family. He's born in a manger, which is the least expected place for the Son of God to come from. He's raised a normal life. We all know what Galilee was. It was one of those things that were cast and lost by God. And from the place where God had issues, we start seeing that man walk leave, establish his testimony. It is not easy to get that story and quite fit it in the normal mind of men. Quote, would be a fitting experience and story for the son of God, which is a hundred percent God, but also a hundred percent human. And so he lives a normal life. We hear he does miracles. We hear he does wonders and signs. 
and then he claims his God. He claims he's the king of the Jews. And then the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Jews of that time, which ascribed to Judaism, have a problem with him. They arrest him. They beat him and he bleeds. And to them, he is no God, but a normal man. All right? He claims he is a king with no army, with no power, with no influence. And then he's crucified on the cross, on a Roman cross. And there is nothing God is doing about it. And the disciples, the people that had believed him, those fellows that walked with him, whose parents perhaps had sat them down and told them, this fellow you're following is confused. The man that you're going with has no future. He has no life. There's nothing to him. They will kill him one day and he will bleed and die like a normal man. Oh yes, some of the miracles that we see recorded are by Mark, Luke, Matthew, people that walked with him. But not everybody saw those miracles. So some even had rumors and probably did not even believe in the miraculous power of God. And maybe some of the disciples of Jesus Christ did not have the results. The instances, there was a person who was there and these guys come in that name and they cast out devils. And the devils refused to flee. And there's a guy who notes it and says, huh, if this guy they're following is real, how come we don't see the results and the answer of what they proclaim to have seen? Of course, people among them have died. It is believed that Joseph died in the time when Jesus was alive. Why? Because there is no reason why Jesus at the cross would hand over his mother to John. And the Bible says, and then Mary went to the house of John if his father existed. It was Jewish culture. But if a, a father dies, the mother is handed over to the first son. And this is a son now who has been taking responsibility of his mother. And now he's at the cross and he's saying, John, look at your mother. And woman, look at your son. That day, this man, John, takes her to his own home. And that means from the time Jesus is crucified, it is concluded that Mary now shall start living with John. That means Joseph was not alive at that point. At what time in history did Joseph die? Where was Jesus, the son of God, when Joseph died? Somebody shout hallelujah. And so there is another way of looking at this. And so this is a guy who claims he's 100% God. We expect that the power of God is going to come from on high and shake every place, kill every army officer, destroy everything that they've said to kill him, shake the whole of Rome because this son of God has been touched. And God is watching all of that and he is silent. Praise God. So he goes on the cross and he dies. And if a man had left Israel that day and went to further parts, the end of that story would have been, there was a fellow who claimed to be the king of kings. Uh, we hardly did miracles. We never knew where it ended. <laughs> they put him on a Roman cross. He was crucified and the guy died. We wonder what happened with those which followed him. Praise God. Imagine these disciples walking back home that day and their hero had gone. You see? And so when you look at some of the faiths, some faiths say he was not crucified. <laughs> because to them, they need to make a hero out of the narrative. You see? But those are books that are written later. The books that are written earlier are clear that Jesus Christ was crucified. 
So we see these people in the room that even at the resurrection, when these women come and tell the disciples that the tomb is empty, Peter says, you guys are crazy. Peter says, you are crazy. It's not possible. All hope had gone. Somebody shout hallelujah. But what they did not see and what they did not know was that when he dies on the cross, he commits his spirit. His life was not taken but given. Somebody shout hallelujah. For he gave his life for us. Praise God. And the Bible says now we see the account of what the other world will not see. He went into hell. He shook it to nothing. And the Bible says triumphing over all the devil in hell on earth. And then he made a public spectacle. Openly showing that he was triumphant over them. And then he's raised from the dead. And the Bible says, and when he was raised from the dead, he only appeared to his own. He never came up openly to the Pharisee who crucified him to tell him, hey, I'm out. He never went to the Sadducee to prove himself that I'm out. He never went to the Eastern and the haters of that day. He never went to the Roman army that crucified him to say that I'm what? That I'm alive. So if you say that he is alive, where is he? If there was doubt within the man's camp, how much more they which never saw him at the resurrection. And now we see a testimony preserved by men which saw him after the resurrection. They have the exclusive right to testify because they saw him. But nobody saw him out of that. So somebody, logically speaking, can say, how then do you stand on that to say that he was raised from the dead? Are you seeing where I'm coming from? So if you're to look at it from the wildly secular perspective of things, the story of the cross can be a very defeated experience. Somebody shout amen. But he tells them, you see, they might think I was not raised from the dead. That's all right. Tarry in Jerusalem. Tarry in Jerusalem. Tarry in Jerusalem. These things I have spoken all through in the past. But the devil does not have a clue. And this is the mystery. The devil does not know it all. Even if it's before his eyes, he does not know it all. Even if you give him the full sense of the word and put it before him. Even as you're speaking in Revelation, the devil is hearing me right now. But he can't get it. There are things that only you and I understand that Satan, even if he sent his cohorts here, they will not understand what I'm saying. Why? Because it is given to us to know the mysteries of the kingdom, not to the devil. Somebody shout hallelujah. And so we don't blame them that they are looking at this as foolishness. That is why when we're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the cross, he says, it cannot be preached with the wisdom of men. It cannot be preached with the wisdom of this world. Because if we go the way of the wisdom of this world, there are certain things that would fail for evidence and proof. Somebody shout hallelujah. Because you see, they can only study according to facts. But we can go beyond facts. Hallelujah. We are established in truth. It's not just theology. It's theophany, the experience of the God we talk about. Somebody shout hallelujah. He becomes a revelation. Not just what they tell me about him. When I was eight years old, we were confessing Jesus Christ at a crusade. They say, receive him as your Lord. And as I'm speaking those words, as the preacher is leading us through a confession prayer, he appears to me. 
for me, Jesus Christ is not just something you talk about like a story, like a, a historical figure. No, he appeared to me when I was eight. I saw him before even my own mind knew how to separate fact from fiction. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout amen. So it becomes foolishness. That is why he says, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. And that is why when you start assessing it from the factual, a man who knows how to argue could argue out the case. That is why in the letter verses, he says, for where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after in the wisdom of God, listen, the world by wisdom knew not God. The world by wisdom knew not God. For it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe the cross can appear to be a place of defeat when it is not revealed. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now let me show you something. Let me show you what the devil never knew. In the second chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul is building this revelation. He's building this revelation. And he says, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. He's separating the wisdom of man and the wisdom of God because we cannot preach the gospel in the wisdom of men or in the wisdom of normal words, plausible, persuasive words. We have to preach this gospel in the wisdom of God. And he says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world and to our glory. Listen, 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 listen. Verses 8. He says, For which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Somebody shout amen. amen. Had the devil known what we know, what is known in the wisdom of God. It doesn't mean he would be converted because he rebelled against God. He knew what God had. He was created in a glory. He was raised and arrayed in glory. He knew every realm and influence of heaven. He was there. He knew who Jesus was. Elohim. He was one with the Father. Somebody shout hallelujah. This does not mean that the devil would have said uh-uh. Let me just bow to Jesus. No. It only means if the devil knew that through the death of this man was going to come a resurrection, was going to come a granting of life and salvation, was going to become the propitiation of our sins and not only for us but for the world. If the devil had known that the death of Jesus Christ had come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. If the devil had known that at the crucifixion of Christ, he was going to call many sons to glory. If the devil had known that at the crucifixion of Christ, the Holy Ghost would come and now that which is in Jesus Christ would enter the church. He would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If he knew this wisdom, he would have just let Jesus be. Because he was enough damage. Don't think he did not know that this was the son of God. He knew. 
the devils used to scream out of men and say, Son of God, what do you want with us? The devil knew who he was dealing with. But something deceives him that by ending the natural life of this man, you are going to end his assignment. By killing this man, you're going to bring to destruction his purpose. Had the devil known that at the death of Jesus Christ, men were going to tear in Jerusalem and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And now what was in one man is in hundreds of people. And a man can stand before people and preach the gospel before 3,000 men and they are saved. And through that then they are all endowed with power. And the Bible says that we now see that what was supposed to be a losing group, a distracted and frustrated group, now is the same group of guys gathering people, preaching about the same name. And the same results we saw on that guy is now working with these fellows. They are making the lame walk. They are opening blind eyes. They are raising the dead and cleansing the lepers. What do we call them? They are Christian. They are like the guy that we killed. Now the devil is in trouble. He's in trouble. Because our plan was to kill this fellow and get rid of everything he represents. And now he's afflicted and he's multiplying. Somebody shout hallelujah. It was always in the scriptures. It was always in the scriptures. It was in Isaiah. It was everywhere. But the devil couldn't see it. It was before his eyes. This man was going to raise men, sons of men. He was going to give life. To them, it was prophesied many times before. Somebody said, hallelujah. He spoke it even himself. Break this temple in three days, I will return. And they think they're talking about the physical temple. The devil doesn't know it all. So your enemy has a disadvantage. Somebody shout, hallelujah. And what's the disadvantage? He doesn't know what you know. Shout amen. amen. And so we don't say that, oh, if the princes of this world had known he was the son of God, they would submit themselves to salvation and to him. No, the devil had rebelled a long time ago. He had made up his mind not to obey God. But what we are saying, he would have seen that this cross was going to become power. And if he had seen that, he would have said, you know what? In wisdom... Let's not crucify this fellow. Let's let him be. Because that's the only way. Provisional power can be kept in the provisional sense. Because he would just have to give them provisional. Behold, I give you power to trample on snakes and scorpions. But it would not be enough to give them dunamis. He would give them exousia, authority. It would stay in the realm of authority, exousia. Their only function under the extension of his anointing. Are you hearing me? But at the death and resurrection of the Christ, not only are they with exousia, the authority, but they have the very life, dunamis. That means they too can extend it. Oh, glory to God. Now, the devil sees it. A man is anointed and they get sick people. The Bible says Peter. They put sick folk before him and his shadow touching every sick man they were healed what happened dunamis was in a man and exousia was cast on a shadow 
Somebody shout hallelujah. That's the same anointing on Paul. He gets hunkies. And the Bible says, and hunkies and aprons that touched him going on the sick and them which were possessed by devils. The Bible says spirits fled out of men because they touched Paul's hunky. Sickness fled out of men because they touched Paul's hunky. The mad were restored because they touched Paul's hunky. It was more than exosia. The man received dunamis. The very life, Zoe, which is of God himself, now sits inside us. Oh God, I feel like screaming. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, same, same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, now is resident in the inside of your body. That is why you cannot have sickness. That is why you cannot die. That is why you cannot fail. That is why you cannot be frustrated. That is why you cannot have disaster. No, pain is not your portion. Praise God, hallelujah. Somebody say, I have the life of God inside of my spirit. I have the life of God. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Shout amen. amen. Now, so you see where I'm going? Had the princes of this world known that by crucifying Jesus, they would bring many sons to glory, that Jesus would multiply himself in his full measure to every individual, Satan would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now here is the mystery. That is why Paul says, that I glory only, Galatians 6.14, in the cross. Only in the cross. Our glory. He says, God forbid that I should glory. Save, he says, in the cross of Jesus Christ, my Lord, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Let me tell you why Paul glories in the cross. Because he has revealed that the way of God can be understood, not the ways, but the way of God can be understood in the mystery of the cross. Meaning, God has a way of planning your life for such a sweet victory and triumph, but package it in the least expected vessel. And yes, this vessel might not be as efficient, Yes, this vessel might not be as articulate. It might not be eloquent. It might not be the most beautiful thing. The Bible says the looks of the Christ, they were calmly, they were normal. There was nothing to be desired on Jesus. If you're talking about attraction, no, not about these stories, these movies you see, very handsome guys representing Jesus. Jesus was not very handsome. At least scripture says in Isaiah. The Bible says he was despised. There was nothing to be desired of him. The Bible says he was rejected by men. He walked with a, a rejection. <laughs> a man of sorrow. Can you believe that? That that is written all of the son of God? That he was rejected and despised of men? That means when Jesus walked, it was easy to despise him. He was in the despisables. He was in the rejectables. The Bible says they hid their faces from him. There was nothing attractive about this fellow. No, look at what God is doing. The man starts living in the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit. Things start happening. Are you hearing me? And then they say, you know what? 
Let's kill him. And he's beaten and he answers nothing. He's reviled and he does not revile. He's crucified. He's stripped naked. And there is nothing he's doing to them. He's not showing any form of power. And that's where the devil gets deceived. That's where the devil gets deceived. Because he sees this person going this way and is certain that he has won. I bet you the day Jesus was on the cross and is buying his head, Satan was in hell saying, we got him, we got her. Are you hearing me? But they did not know. They did not have a clue what was coming. Had he known, he would not have crucified the king of glory. Now let's go to your narrative. That's just the way of God. That certain things can happen to you. And the devil starts to tick in his book that this is success. She lost her job. This is success. He lost his child. This is success. She lost her husband. This is success. His ministry is frustrated. This is success. He is sick or she is sick in his body. But had he known. Let me prophesy in your life. God is about to do something in your life. That you're going to find yourself saying, had the devil known, I would not have lost that job. Had the devil known, this man would not have left. Had the devil known, I would not have lost my child. Had the devil known, I would not have dropped out of school. Why? Because exceedingly, abundantly, above that which you dare to ask or think is coming your way. That is just the way of God. He has a way of getting into the most frustrated, most desperate circumstances and starts to weave a praise and a glory for your victory. Somebody shout hallelujah. Had he known, may you say in the name of Jesus Christ, in the coming few weeks, in the coming few years, had he known, he would not have made me poor. Look what wealth God has given me. Had he known, he would not have made me sick. Look, I am healing the sick. Had he known, he would not have frustrated my marriage. Look, I'm raising many into marriage. God wants to multiply every sense of loss that you have suffered. Had he known, Shabbat had he known, 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 you'd not have failed. The devil is going to get to a point of wanting to attack you and he fears to attack you because he doesn't know what that will do to him. He doesn't know what that will do to him. Had he known. I said had he known. They stole your car. God gives you better. Had he known. They chase you out of the house for rent. God gives you a mansion. Had he known. You suffered through with ulcers and hypertension and all these kinds of things. And God not only did he heal you. But he has used you to heal all that are sick. Had he 
wrong. They frustrated you in ministry and spoke evil about you and you said nothing. Grace Rubega. And the ministry continued growing. Had he known, he would not have brought the attention of the people that you so needed to come to you because they want to check whether you're real. No, 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 we hear they're funny. Let us listen to them. And the moment they tune in, the next time they find themselves tuning in and they can't stop tuning in and they're saying, what's wrong with me? I just love the guy. Had he known. He would have kept quiet. I don't know who I'm preaching to. The days of had he known are coming. And I prophesy upon your life that they're not far. For some of you, it's tonight. For some of you, it's tomorrow morning. For some of you, it's next week. For some of you, it's next year. But this is the guarantee for brethren. Behold the sufferings that are now seen. We, th these afflictions, which are, but for a moment, he says, they cannot be compared to the weight of glory which shall be revealed through you. That is testimony that you'll not end where the devil sent you. You'll not end where the devil afflicted you. You will not end where the devil touched you. Your story will not end at your lower place. God has a way of working out the far more exceeding and eternal weight and glory. But he says, look not at the things which are seen because those are all the devil knows. But we look at the things which are not seen for the things which are not seen are eternal. And this is eternal life that you might know the one true God and his only son, Jesus. Had he known. A boy has a dream. And he's seen stars are bowing. Sheets are bowing. Things are bowing to him. And they have a problem with the fellow. What has he done? He's just dreamt. What do they do? They throw him in a ditch. He's in Potiphar's house. Rejected. Somebody shout hallelujah. Rejected. And the woman speaks something so foolish about him. But you see, there's something on his life. Even in slavery, the appointments pursue. I have a sermon on that. And he's put in charge of the servants in the house of Potiphar. Potiphar's wife accuses him, he's in prison. I can imagine what was he thinking. I can imagine what was in the heart of that young man when he's falsely accused. But the Bible says, and Pharaoh dreamed. <laughs> Had he known. Had he known. That a dream was coming to make this fellow governor, he would not have thrown him in a ditch. It's common sense. Tell your neighbor the devil doesn't know it all. And what began as a man in a ditch raised the man as governor in Egypt in charge of the realm of the king of Egypt, a Jew became second in rank. One time, foolish men star the king Nebuchadnezzar 
into the mind. Let's build this wonderful image of you. And if any man does not bow before it, let that man be killed. Three boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they say, uh-uh, we will not bow to this fellow. We can only bow to the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the furnace is burned seven times. And they're supposed to be cast into that furnace. And indeed, the Bible says the men which threw them there were burned. And men are in the fire, had he known. Because the devil didn't know that day that he was going to earn a certain glory for the king of kings and lord of lords, for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That was the day the power of God was supposed to be revealed. But the devil thought that it was going to kill men which had refused to bow to the idol. But had he known, had he known, have they ever fired you and then you woke up and a better job. You know, you even left weeping. Oh no, let me talk to women. Has a guy ever chucked you? And you say, I'm gone, I'm done. This is it. I'll never have anything else. I, I loved him. He was the only one that I had. That's all. And God brings someone. And you look back and say, Had he known? <laughs> Glory to God. Do I have a witness? Do you see things in your life that God has worked out a certain way and you see that now all things are working together for good because you love the Lord and you're called according to his purpose. Had he known. That's the story. That's the story. That's just the way of the spirit. That's the gospel. That's the mystery of the cross. It's a place of shame. It's a place of death. It's a place of frustration. It's a place of rejection. It's a place of false accusation. But look what God did. Look what God did. And then you look through the patriarchs. You see Sarah is barren. But this is the mother of nations. It's through her that the descendants of Abraham shall be as the dust. That means that we're not even yet to the number of the descendants. If you think about it, we've not yet gotten to the number of the descendants of Abraham yet. I'm wondering what that looks like in the end. But that is spoken on a barren womb. And then you see someone so frustrated, oh, I can't sleep. They chased me off the job. I can't sleep. I lost that contract. I can't sleep. She left me. I can't sleep. I lost this apostle for all these days. I'm suffering. Can your eyes stop looking at what you're going through for a moment? And look at the cross. Can you just look and leave? <laughs> Can you just look and leave? God has set this sign for ages to tell humanity that this is how I work. All I need from you, believe me. Believe me. I don't care what the doctors have said on your life. Just believe me. 
A young man was diagnosed uh, some time back, was it last year, with a very aggressive form of cancer. And he comes to me and his life was dark. The spirit of death was around him. And I just asked him this question. I said, can you just believe God? That one day, I'm going to set cameras before you ask you to narrate your story and through that not only will somebody be healed but transformed as they come to the knowledge of God's saving power and they said yes and we pray the boy came back about two weeks ago into my office and he said Apostle Grace look at me <laughs> look at me and I said tell me he said Apostle I am zero, zero. There is no trace of cancer in my body. And I told him, I'm going to set my cameras. <laughs> I'm going to set my cameras. The one day if somebody goes through, you just send them a video and tell them, hey, cancer is not the end of your story. How did he know? Some of you, the school you had to go through, you had to first fail to get into that school because you needed to get to that school to meet the experience that you needed for your salvation. Some of you met Apostle Grace because you failed to get a visa. <laughs> if the devil had known, you'd have gotten that visa to Russia. But he refused to give it to you because he knew you needed to stay a bit longer and encounter life. Somebody shout hallelujah. Had the devil known he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. He would not. He would not. He would not. This is the mystery. That nothing you have gone through will not turn. Not only for good, but multiplied. Multiplied. For your victory. Multiply for your victory. Stop asking God, why me? Why not you? Oh, why am I the one losing the job? Why not you getting a better one? Why am I the one who is sick? Why not you getting healed and healing others? Again, why not you? Do you know that by the time any attack comes to you, God has already weighed how much you're able? Isn't that what the Bible says? Any attack that will come to you, God has already weighed you, weighed your mind, weighed your heart, weighed your interpretation, your experiences, and he has concluded this one, you are able. And the bigger the attack, the bigger the glory. Somebody shout hallelujah. He says, no temptation has taken you except that which is common to man, but God is faithful. It's in the faithfulness of God who will not suffer you to be tempted beyond or above that which ye are able. He cannot allow you to be tested beyond. Oh, maybe, just maybe, you doubt the faithfulness of God. But if you don't doubt the faithfulness of God, HIV could not enter that body if you couldn't get it out. 
cancer could not enter that body. So sometimes you might even celebrate people who are not going through what you are going through. Yet actually, if your eyes are open, you should know that actually God trusts you to go through this and there's a weightier victory for whatever you've gone through. I know that's not common to be saved, but that's the truth because it's in the faithfulness of God. He says he will in that very way create a way for you through to escape that you may be able to bear it, that you may be able to overcome it, that you may be able to win. The end of every test is victory. I refuse to fail. I refuse to fail. Somebody shout amen. So it's in the faithfulness of God that he let that happen to you. Now your eyes should shift from whatever has happened to you and now start to focus on what is available for you because of what the devil did not know when he set war with you. The sad part of this is if you too don't know. <laughs> because one thing for the devil not to know and you also don't work. You don't know. But we're talking about a place where you know what the devil doesn't know. As God knows. Praise God. You will make it. You will win. You are a success. I want us to get on our feet. I want us to pray with you. I want you in prayer to change everything. I mean everything that has frustrated you. And I want to boldly say that after this service, testimonies are going to come from across the world saying, had he known had he known. Right now there are people you've suffered a long-term illness and God says, not only am I healing you, but I'm going to extend your life and strength on the earth to fulfill everything that you must fulfill and the days that are coming ahead of you are going to make the devil regret for having afflicted you. Because in there, your purpose is going to be defined even to heal and do many great things because of that experience. There are people who have spent years without jobs. You're frustrated in your home. But God is going to open one transaction and it's going to give you money you could not earn for a hundred years of labor. And you will say, had he known. As a minister, you have had big frustrations in your ministry. And which are not your own doing because your heart is pure. But God says he's going to create a situation very soon that is going to style grace so amazing on your ministry. From the point of your affliction. And one day you will say. Had he known. Had he known. 
Now I want you to just raise your voice and speak in tongues. Just raise your voice and speak to God. Thank you. Come on, pray. You have done me well. You have done me well. You have done me well. Jesus, you have done me well. You have done me well. You have done me I'm a baby, 
Greater days are ahead of you. Great testimonies are spoken and will be spoken always concerning your life. You advance into the next level of testimony. That can only be so and not otherwise. Give the Lord a mighty hand of a praise. Come on, clap like you believe it. Clap like you believe it. never given your life to Christ I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior you just need to repeat this as after me you say Lord Jesus I thank you because you shed your blood for my sins and was raised for my glory tonight I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior and born again the message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest. Thank you.